Good morning and welcome to this 11 o'clock worship service. Whether you're a regular attender or visitor, we're very glad you've joined us. Would you please stand for the recall to worship? We'll read it responsibly. In you, Lord our God, we put our trust. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and faithfulness to us. We are thankful for the great redemptive work that is based on the death and resurrection of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the individual redemption that begins in this life. We also anticipate the complete redemption of the cosmos that will come when he returns. Accept our worship today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
We are glad to see all of you here in worship today. Let me invite you to share a word of greeting with others uh, here in worship this morning. Perhaps introduce yourself to someone you don't know. One more week left in our three weeks of 24-7 prayer. Hope you've had a chance to spend at least one hour in the prayer room. If you haven't, we invite you to do so this week. If you have, I invite you to do come again. Uh, There are a number of times open uh, throughout this week, and uh, we are praying that that, uh, this will be a wonderful last week of praying together and of asking God's grace on our lives, circumstances, all the things that we we come to uh, pray for. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. If you have any trouble uh, making a reservation for the prayer vigil, we've have, been having some calendar issues this, during this year. If you have some trouble, just let us know and we will help you uh, get the reservation uh, secured. So thanks again for your participation. Look forward to next Sunday evening when we come back together uh, at the end of this and celebrate what God has done. Uh, today is the last day to drop off your uh, Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Uh, actually, we won't be taking them until Wednesday. So if you didn't, don't have them today, you have a couple of days left to get the, everything together for your shoebox. You can just drop them off at the church. Right now we have about 190. We, our goal is about 250. Uh, so if we get that goal, that's great. Uh, but if we, uh, if we don't, that's okay. But we'd love to, to uh, just get all the boxes that uh, you may be planning to have. So just make sure you get those in. Uh, by uh, Tuesday so we can send those to the distribution center. And also, 
Uh, next Sunday is our uh, annual time of collecting food for the food pantry. And you have an insert in your bulletin with the items listed there and uh, ways that you can contribute. People contribute throughout the year, and we appreciate that. But it just seems appropriate the Sunday before Thanksgiving that we, we uh, make a special effort to collect. For one thing, uh, over the course of the holidays, the need rises. There's just a, a, lot, a lot of needs, and especially as it's starting to get colder, there are other concerns that arise as well. So anything that you can contribute would be greatly appreciated. I also wanted to mention uh, that right after the service, uh, we have a, a potluck in the community room. And uh, if you, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Particularly, it's for, uh, it's, uh, we're welcoming college students, we have, but also anybody, uh, anyone in the church, we'd love to have you stay and be a part of that. There's lots of food. But uh, we have a chance to inter- connect with college students, with each other. And so we'll be right in the community room immediately following this service. And we hope you can you come and, and uh, meet, some, meet some new people, interact with, uh, if you're a student, with some folks in the community, if you're a community member, some of the students. And uh, so we are looking forward to a great time together immediately following the service. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. This is the word of the Lord. Would you stand, please, for the doxology?
that one from whom our help comes invites us to pray to him, to open our hearts to him, our lives to him. One of the ways we do that is by honestly coming before him. So let me invite you to join me in prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are enamored with ourselves. We fight for rights that are primarily for us rather than others. We work diligently to gain more for ourselves when we see so many who have so little. We are typically far more interested in being served than in serving. Forgive us for the self-centered spirit that drives us. Open our hearts to Christ that we might be more interested in giving than receiving, more interested in submitting than controlling. Through Christ's mercy, we proclaim the pardon you offer us, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive us our sins. Amen. As we continue in prayer, if you would like to use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we come to this moment after a, after a week that has been has included times of joy and sorrow, times of success and failure. Times in which we have felt we are on the right track and times when we have felt off the track. Lord, in all of our experiences, we come to you now because we know that you care about everything that happens to us. You care about all that goes on in our lives and in this world. And we come to you in gratitude, in thanksgiving, and in earnest. We pray that you will mend our broken relationships. We pray that you will comfort our sorrowing hearts. We pray that you will heal our diseases, our brokenness. We pray especially today for Ben King, David Hartley, Mildred Berry, Doris Asepian, Blanche Weaver, Tammy Dunmire, Isla Shea, for Sheldon Emerson, Bob Jobert, Laurel Buker, Bill Getty, for Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Bev Rett, for Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Cricklar, and others who come to our minds today. We pray your healing grace in each one. Father, we thank you for the church, for the ways in which the church nurtures our faith, and, and for the privilege of being a part of nurturing one another's faith. This morning we pray for the ministry of Koinonia. We ask that you will anoint this worship time that every week as 
students come together, that they would sense your spirit there. In every song, in every scripture that's read, and prayer that's prayed, and everyone who is a part of this gathering, may they sense your spirit speaking, transforming, blessing. We pray, Father, for the churches around us, and we think of the North Park Wesleyan Church in Cuba, Pastor Ward. May they sense your spirit with them in worship today and, and throughout every day. Bond them together in your love that they may be a witness of love to the people of Cuba and beyond through your grace. Father, we pray for our nation. This has been a tumultuous week in our nation. We pray that you will bring healing and unity to us. We pray for our newly elected president. We ask that you will give him wisdom in choosing those who will be most instrumental in advising him. We pray that you'll help him to realize his need for you in every decision, to listen to you, whatever you say. And Father, we pray for our nation at this time of divisiveness. And pray that you would empower the church, that we would be a voice of hope where there's fear, love where we might be tempted to hate, peace where violence might seem most effective. Help us as the church to be compassionate advocates for the most vulnerable, the most fearful among us. And whether we understand or agree, make us people who care. And in caring to do what Jesus does, to want what Jesus wants. Father, we thank you for our nation. And this weekend, as we we remember those who have sacrificed so much for our freedom, we thank you for each of them. We pray for, for those who might have been injured in protecting our nation. We pray for families that have gone through grieving because of people who've lost their lives protecting our nation. We pray, Father, that for all who are active in serving, we pray that you will protect them. We pray that you will watch over them. And, Lord, we pray that, that because of your work in this world, because of the influence of your church, the influence of your spirit, there would be little need for the service of military, that we would be people who want peace. We pray, Father, that you would bring peace and that you would give grace to all who serve to try to bring about peace. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you're at work in, in the world. We pray, Father, for uh, the church around the world. We thank you for all the people who are serving you in places other than their home. And we think especially of missionary children. They have unique experiences and they celebrate those, but they also have unique struggles. We pray that you would anoint them with your grace and protect them and keep them close to you. And in the struggles of the come unique things that come with this setting, may they sense your spirit helping them. We thank you for this good report from the Heisingas and their children and working with, with the uh, people there in Cameroon. And those who have responded, we pray that more and more they will sense you working in them and through them. 
And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Iraq. Thank you that the cities, many cities have been liberated from the control of ISIS. But we know there is much to be done. Many of the Christians are coming back to burned out churches. People trying to rebuild lives and mourning losses. We ask that you, your spirit would be so present and evident. And may your church be a, a place, a voice, a beacon of hope and light and love and grace. True. We pray for peace. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for hearing our prayers during this prayer vigil. We pray that you will continue to speak to us in this week ahead and transform us individually and corporately. We pray this through the grace and the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our returning King, the one who leaves us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our New Testament reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Would you please stand uh, for the reading of the gospel? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. I suspect that throughout your life, you have attended some conferences. Maybe they were professional conferences. Maybe they were church-related conferences. Uh, they, you know, there are conferences about all kinds of things. I get uh, solicitations virtually every day to attend a conference. And you may as well. They're all over the place. And they can be really helpful. And uh, they're sometimes really nice things. You learn things. You get away. Uh, there, there are all kinds of ways we can connect to conferences and all kinds of conferences to connect us. But recently, I came across what I think is one of the most unusual conferences I've ever heard of before. It's called the Boring Conference. It's a real thing, too. It, it is a conference about that people come together to talk about boring things. Here are some of the subjects that they have covered over the last few years of this conference. Sneezing. Toast, the sounds made by bending machines, barcodes, yellow lines on the highway, assorted arcane features of the Yamaha PSR-175 Portatune keyboard. Now, that's getting really specific and boring. Inkjet printers, but not just any inkjet printers, the inkjet printers of 1999. Ice cream band chimes, electric hand dryers, and on and on the list goes of things that people come together. And here's the amazing thing to me, is that this conference gets sold out every year. People are coming to a conference to talk about boring things. And, you, and, you, and I'm reading this about this conference, and I'm thinking, why in the world would people spend their time and money to go to a conference like that? And I wonder if it's because there is a yearning in the human heart to make sense, have some meaning out of the ordinary things of life. There is something in us that wants to believe that the ordinary moments of life have meaning and significance because so often it feels like they don't. You get to the end of your day and you look back and if you were to evaluate it, you might say, well, I accomplished some things today, but there are a lot of things I did today that... Quite frankly, I'm having a hard time finding a lot of meaning in. And I think this is especially true of people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Because we are continually thinking about purpose in life. We're thinking about our lives being connected to something eternal and spiritually significant. And when life isn't, it feels as if we question ourselves and we wonder, does it really have any meaning? Does it make any difference? It's just... Ordinary stuff. We just did life. And I want us to think this morning about the fact that God is as interested in the ordinary moments as the moments we call extraordinary. God is as interested in the moments we call spiritual and the moments that we call secular. God is interested in the ordinary because God is present in the ordinary. There are no moments in which God is not present and active and at work. 
even if we don't see it or even acknowledge it. Psalm 139 tells us, and the NIV it asks the question, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? It's a rhetorical question, and you see that in other translations who don't word it in the form of a question, but a statement. I cannot get away from your spirit. I cannot get away from your presence. Because God is in every place, and if God is in every place, then God is in every moment. And in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a, as a moment in which God is not present. And that means the ordinary has meaning and purpose. And God is at work in the ordinary, and we need to see that, because so often we compartmentalize our lives. Richard Foster calls it an inner apartheid. We segregate our lives into what is spiritual and what is not. And we we give our energy and attention to the spiritual, and then we go and live the rest of our lives kind of the way we want to. Not realizing that God is in every moment. I think about this when we consider the church calendar. There are six seasons in the church calendar. Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost. We're in the season of Pentecost right now. I think it's the 26th Sunday after Pentecost. And, and the reason we name it that is because there really aren't any, most, in most of the traditions, there aren't a lot of special days in this season. It's about half of the year, and it's just, you see in the bulletin, it's the 26th Sunday after Pentecost. Next Sunday is the last Sunday after Pentecost because Advent starts two weeks from today, as hard as that is to believe. And for a long time, this season was called Kingdom Tide. It was a season where we talked about the kingdom of God, and that was the focus on the church. In the last 10, 20 years, it has shifted. They've started renaming this Ordinary Time. And so this is now, instead of, instead of Pentecost, we have Pentecost Day, but the rest of the season is often called Ordinary Time. And when I first heard that, I didn't like that because it made it seem like it was unimportant. I mean, it's, it's, it's not Advent. It's just ordinary time. It's not the, it doesn't have the passion of Lent. It's just ordinary time. But the more I've thought about it and looked, and, and looked at this, I realized that actually the intent of it is not to say it's insignificant but it's to remind us that God is present in the ordinary time. We have a tendency to easily see God in Advent as we ponder the coming of Christ and in Christmas and in Epiphany as God reveals himself in Christ and in Lent and the passion of of Lent and Easter, of course, the great celebration of Christ. But this time of the year, once we get past Pentecost Sunday, it, it feels ordinary and that's exactly the point. It is ordinary, but God's just as much present in the ordinary as he is in any other time. It's all important to God. Sometimes people will come to me and, with a, a concern and, and will preface what they say to me as, well, you know, this is it's not really that important. When I consider all the things that are going on in the world, it almost, I almost feel embarrassed to pray about this or to ask you to pray about this. And my response to them is almost always something like this. Look, if it's important to you, it's important to God. I've now come to the conclusion that I'm revising that. I've been giving people bad advice. Because now what I will say to people is, 
not if it's important to you, it's important to God, but rather, whether it's important to you or not, it's important to God. Because every single moment is important to God. Every single moment. I think that's what Jesus is telling us here in Matthew 6. He's talking about ordinary things, food, clothing, drink. I mean, important things, we need them, but they're ordinary things. They're not spectacular things. They're just things that we often take for granted. And Jesus is saying, God is in those things. God takes care of those things. God is with you when you need those things. God is present in those moments because he's present in every moment. And when we pray about the ordinary things of life, we are in essence saying, God, I need you every moment. I'm acknowledging how much I need you. And again, when we separate our lives, we tend to say, God, I'm in a pickle here. I'm in a bad situation here. I really need your help. But in these other moments, we have a tendency to say, look, I think I can handle this. I'm good. If I run into trouble, I'll let you know. I'll call you. And Jesus is saying, you want to be praying about everything because God is interested and concerned about everything. And God is involved in everything. Every moment, God is present. And God is at work. In verse 32 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, your heavenly father, you know, the pagans worry about these things. Don't worry about them because your father already knows that you need them. And my initial response to that is, then why do I pray? If God already knows my needs, why do I pray? Because praying is not informing God of something he doesn't know. And praying is not sort of some kind of economic transaction that I I do my part so God will do his part. And praying is not trying to wake up a sleeping deity, as the pagans think. Or to try to convince God to do something that he really doesn't want to do because he's the kind of God that doesn't like doing good things. No, prayer is about relationship with our God who loves us, who loves doing good things for us, who knows all about our moments and is involved and active in our moments. And we pray not because we're trying to convince God to do something. We pray because... We need to acknowledge that God is present and active and at work. And because God wants relationship with us. And yes, God does respond to our prayers. It's amazing to me when you read the scriptures and you read the history of God's people, that people pray and God does things. But even that, the heart of that, is really about relationship. It's about being known by God and knowing God. And it's seeing God at work and active in every moment. And that's why when Jesus talks here and he refers to the one to whom we pray, he doesn't use the term God. He uses the term Father. Because he's talking about the kind of relationship that a child has with a parent. It's a love relationship. And in a parental relationship, and quite frankly, if it's not, you know, it's the same thing as true, be close friends. We don't just talk about life and we don't just get together when we're in crisis. A true relationship is built on the everyday moments of life. 
God in every moment. And our best relationships are those relationships where we just talk about life. We don't get together because we have some agenda. We just like being together. And it often results in having some deep conversations. But that's not why we are friends. We're friends because we just like being together. And the other things come out of that. And a parent, you know, when our, as our children get older, we, they come home from school and we say, so how was your day? Anything exciting happened? No, nothing. It was fine. And you're trying to, to pry information out of them. And it feels like, because we've all been on the other side of that, it feels like our parents are just trying to get into our business. But the truth is, you just want to have a relationship. And, and you're interested. And you care. And it's important. Because we love our children. And Jesus keeps telling us, he's going to say this again in chapter 7 of Matthew's gospel. If you know how to do that with your children, how much more your Father in heaven? How much more? This is our God. I think this is what Jesus is at least partially getting at when you come to the end of Matthew 6. And he says, don't worry about these things, but instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things taken care of. What if seeking God first and seeking his righteousness is really answering the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray a little bit earlier in chapter 6 when we say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In God's eternal kingdom, every moment will be about God. There will be no device dividing the moments for God and the moments for ourselves. There, there is no division of thought in the, in the eternal kingdom of God. When God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven, then everyone on earth will be focused on who God is. And every moment of our life will be about remembering God and thinking of God and seeing God and experiencing God. And when we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying, we want that now. We want to experience life where every moment is thinking about God. Every moment is aware of the presence of God. Every moment of our lives, we are surrendering to God and we're, we're seeing God at work. That's what we want now. And it makes me wonder if that isn't what Jesus means when he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, want more than anything to be able to see God in every moment of life. Because when we see God in every moment, it changes every moment. And the ordinary takes on a different perspective for us. I think that's what Brother Lawrence is talking about when uh, he, ta- he speaks of practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence, he wanted to join the monastery in midlife, and he had no education, so he couldn't be a, a monk, but he, he worked in the monastery, mainly in the kitchen. And he was disappointed that all he got to do was work in the kitchen, but eventually he came to see that work in the kitchen as a means of glorifying God. And so, even as he peeled potatoes, he would say, Lord, this is for your glory. He peeled carrots. God, this is for your glory. 
And later he mended shoes and he said, Lord, I'm mending shoes for your glory. I'm picking vegetables for your glory. I'm preparing pies for your glory. I'm stirring the soup for your glory. Every moment was about the glory of God in everything that he did. And his, his work became his prayer. And he saw God and experienced God in all of that as he thought about God helping him and being present in every moment, whatever he was doing. And the result was many people came to the monastery, but usually not to see the other monks. They came to see Brother Lawrence. They came to see this man who had such a deep relationship with God that he experienced God in every moment. Even mundane things like peeling potatoes and stirring soup and mending shoes. What if before everything we did, we said, God, this is for your glory. I'm studying for this test for your glory. I'm preparing this exam for your glory. I'm cooking this meal for your glory. I'm taking care of my children for your glory. I'm mowing the grass for your glory. I'm fixing the garage door for your glory. I'm doing all of this for your glory. I'm staying awake in class for your glory. I'm staying awake in church for your glory. It's all for your glory. I think it would radically transform what we think. That every moment, whatever it is we're doing, cleaning, writing, reading, driving, mowing, fixing, God's present in that moment. It isn't just about the moment. It's about the kind of thoughts of God that change how we think about all of life and the people that intersect our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And people have interpreted that a variety of ways. There have been monks through the centuries who've seen that as stopping any, everything except prayer. And so they build a 50-foot tower with a platform on it and spend 20 years sitting on top of that platform. And, and, and maybe that's praying without ceasing. I'm not quite sure that's exactly what Paul had in mind. I think Paul is saying, be in a spirit of sensing God with you every moment. There's nothing that you shouldn't be praying about. There is really nothing ordinary when it comes to prayer because all of it is a reason to pray. Because quite frankly, we live in the ordinary moments of life. That's mostly what life is. And Jesus is saying to us and Paul is saying to us, see God in the moments where you primarily live as well as the moments when you are naturally thinking about him. But right after he says, pray without ceasing, Paul says, in everything, give thanks. He doesn't say, give thanks for everything. He says, despite what happens, give thanks. Because sometimes we don't give thanks for things that happen. And sometimes people have interpreted give thanks and everything as, well, hey, this is what's happened. There's nothing we can do about it. We just give thanks and move on. No, we are called as God's people to be agents of healing and change and justice and truth and love and compassion. And that will often mean trying to change circumstances. 
It will often mean trying to bring a new voice to circumstances. It means standing up for people. It means being active for the kingdom of God. But what we do in the midst of all that happens is not necessarily give thanks for what happens, because a lot of things are out of brokenness and sin, but we give thanks that God is present in everything that's happening. We thank God for the good times, and we thank God for being present in the difficult times. And we thank God that he is at work in every moment, whether we like it or we don't like it. God is present. As we just sang, this is my father's world. There is not a place and there is not a moment in which God is not present. Every moment. And he's at work. And we may not always see it. And we may doubt it. And we may be confused about it. But the core of our faith is that God is at work in every single moment. And we give thanks. And maybe the, one of the best things we can do is get up every morning and say, thank you for the sleep and thank you for this day and make me a, help me to see you, help me to find every way I can to give you thanks for who you are and what you're doing. Here's the dilemma that I've been thinking about with all of this is how do we, how do we go about remembering this. I think it has a lot to do with memory. You know, we, we want to give thanks. We want to think of God in every moment. But we get so wrapped up in life that it's easy to forget. And I was trying to ponder how we might remember. And as I pondered that, it took, I thought back to the Lord's Prayer. I'm fascinated by the fact that when you, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, the beginning is so majestic and so big. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. These are, these are great, majestic prayers. And then we move into the more personal petitions. And I would think that the first petition would be something like, lead us not into temptation, because you know how much we struggle with that. Or help us to forgive those who have hurt us, and as you've forgiven us, because you know how much we struggle with that. But it's not. The very first personal petition is, give us this day our daily bread. It's hard to imagine anything about praying about anything more ordinary than bread, food. It's vital, but it's ordinary. And it struck me that maybe that's the place where we can remember. So here's the idea that we came up with. We got a box full of plastic spoons. And written into the little ladle part of the spoon, whatever you call this part of the spoon, is Matthew 6.11, which is the reference for give us this day our daily bread. And the ushers are going to hand one of these out to all of us. And what I want you to take this and put it on your dresser, put it on your desk, carry it in your pocket, whatever will you can do that will help you remember God is present in every moment and praying about the ordinary things is what he wants us to do. And to begin, ask him to see, help him to open our eyes to see him because we're not praying for God to be present in the ordinary moments. We're praying for God to help us see him 
in the ordinary moments. Because he's there. So I'm going to ask the ushers to, to start handing these out to you. And I'm just hoping it will be something to remind you about God in every moment. And while we're distributing these, let me, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and move into our closing song. And so as we, maybe we should just go ahead and stand as these things are distributed and let's sing together our closing hymn that declares, I need you every hour.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.